0: Well, Welcome to this week's episode of the Church and State Show. Tonight we are recording live with an audience and being broadcast a week later. So hopefully if you're watching you will love this show and you'll actually try and be in a future live audience event. But this is a special type of Church and State episode. We're calling it Big Ideas. And uh, the difference about this is basically we've got a live studio audience participating in the production kind of field that we're going to be doing. And uh, you're invited, obviously, into this episode like every week uh, as we sit down and have a conversation about a, a big idea, an important public issue with a special guest. Uh, and one of the ideas that I think is probably the biggest in Australia, and there's many we could list, but as an official Australian idea, it's found in the preamble to the legislation enacting the Australian Constitution. And that is the phrase after listing all of the states, uh, the people of Queensland, Victoria, New South Wales, Tasmania, South Australia, humbly relying on the blessing of Almighty God, resolve to unite and form an indissoluble Commonwealth.
1: May all that you stand for, and that we stand for, be preserved under the providence of God for the happiness of mankind. The trouble is caused by unthinking people who carelessly throw away ageless ideals as if they were old and outworn machinery.
0: But it is the values of individual liberty, equality before the law, and the supremacy of people over the state, to which we can always with confidence
1: return as a powerful and uniting force. Australia is not a secular country. It is a free country.
0: What that phrase, humbly relying on the blessing of Almighty God, was a phrase that had to be inserted at the end of the 18th century as they were having all these constitutional conferences, uh, designing the the constitution and trying to get uh, the best thinkers in Australia uh, and the people to agree on what Australia should look like, uh, later to be enacted in 1901. Uh, They got a lot of consensus, but there just wasn't enough support. Because at the turn of the 18th, 19th century, 20th century, I'm sorry, coming into 1900, uh, Australia was a predominantly Christian population, at least affectionately. Maybe everybody didn't go to church every Sunday, but uh, the majority of the people were affectionately Christian. We were culturally Christian and had a lot of time for Christianity. And it disturbed a lot of people that there was no reference to God in the Constitution. Now, the Constitution is deliberately silent on God, not wanting to impose any kind of faith, and that's the right way to do it. You can't impose faith. Faith is a genuine, heartfelt experience, not something put on you uh, by force or coercion. Um, Now, they did need some kind of acknowledgement, and and this was the resolve. It was basically a marketing exercise uh, that even though they didn't want to make Australia officially Christian, we had to acknowledge that we were and are culturally Christian. And this is a really good posture to take. They said the words that we can't achieve this Commonwealth and the future that we have for the nation unless we humbly rely on the blessing of Almighty God. Now, the word humble, to me, uh, there's probably many definitions and many valid definitions, but the one I like is agreeing with God, saying what God says. That is true humility. Uh, Even if you're giving high praise to somebody, they don't have to reject it to be humble. Humility could be receiving that because it's true. And the lack of humility in today's generation basically shakes their fists in God's face and says, we don't care what you say. We don't care what your objective moral law is. We believe our morality is truer and better and actually disagrees with God. Now, that is the height of pride. No coincidence, it also relates to pride marches, the arrogance to shake your fist in God's face and disagree with what God says. But the way we started, I think, is the way we should get back to, humbly relying on the blessing of Almighty God. And my guest tonight has the very, very critical question in this whole premise and that is who is almighty god well i actually think our guest tonight is got one of those attitudes that if duplicated across all members of parliament would send this nation in a much better future than we're currently headed for and that is that kind of humility to actually care what god says and to actually agree With objective truth and it is the pursuit of truth together uh, putting aside egos which we're going to do tonight and if we could do together as a nation it would be very very exciting he's a man with a very diverse resume and he is the Queensland uh, senator Uh, he is a senator for Queensland and a member of the one nation party Ladies and gentlemen, would you please welcome to the stage tonight Senator Malcolm Roberts. Welcome. is, as, as I alluded to in, in my opening, the, the pride marchers presume to judge God's standard of morality. They are intolerant of his standards, but his standards are intolerant of all deviation from righteousness and and that 's not uh, some that's not a, a fruit of being malicious or malevolent that 's actually a, f- a fruit of being righteous and just mm-hmm. uh, and it, it's it's no less the case in human standards of justice we would expect that somebody who did the wrong thing by the law would face justice and that if everybody got off, there would be no justice.
1: Right, and another thing that God is not, as I see it, is not someone with a long beard sitting on a cloud and, and looking down and commanding us what to do, controlling everything we do. So I don't see God as that either. Well, yeah,
0: in the, in the respect that he's not tolerant, he is gracious, he is patient, he is long-suffering. Uh, right throughout Bible history. So aren't we, you really
1: going through his quality? Or maybe it's her qualities. His or her qualities. No, it's
0: definitely not her. Um, there are female attributes to God, and male and female... This is why I want to
1: do it with Dave. Male and female... Not, not because he's, he's come, come out and said it's male, but he's so clear, and uh, now he's got, me, he's, certain. Got, he's got me in.
0: Yeah. So God... I mean, if if how one... Ident- if 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 we in modern society, permit people to identify with whatever gender they choose. Well, God has identified himself as male. Um, and so at the very least, we should respect that. Um, and of course, he's not anatomically male because he's not limited to a physical body, body. like us. Uh, but he, and, and at the same time, it was out of the completeness of his identity that he made male and female humanity. So there's... Uh, one name for God, I believe it's Al Shaddai, um, that probably best literally translated, um, describes God as a nurturer and a caregiver. And the literal translation is probably something along the lines of the many-breasted God. Um, Again, not anatomical literality, uh, but it is a picture of the feminine qualities in him. So uh, I'm not being absolute about the fact that he's not female, um, because it was out of his completeness that he created male and female and, and separated them. But he always uses male pronouns when describing himself in his word, never, ever, ever female. Um, so we can, we can be certain about that. So, so
1: he then is, and uh, thanks for that clarity, he, he, is, um, he, he is definitely real. So many people in our society these days don't think he's real. This is every morning in, in, the, um, in the Senate and in the House of Reps, correct, George, they have a daily prayer, the morning prayer. Um, now, for this term of Parliament, under a Labour speaker, they change the order. First comes the welcome to country, and then comes the um, prayer, and then comes the Lord's Prayer. So these are words that are supposed to be guiding us So the President of the Senate says, Senators, I invite you as I read the prayer to pray or reflect in your own way on your abilities to the people of Australia, on your responsibilities to the people of Australia and to future generations. So this is something that'll guide the senators. So this is a a prayer that she starts. Almighty God, so that tells us something about God. He's almighty. We humbly beseech thee, so we're requesting. We beseech thee to vouchsafe, give or grant something in a gracious manner. Thy special blessing upon this Parliament, and that thou wouldst be pleased to direct and prosper the work of thy servants, that's senators, to the advancement of thy glory and to the true welfare of the people of Australia. So it's not just about the, the welfare of the people of Australia, it's also to the advancement of thy glory. Mm. The Greens don't, don't um, condone this. Then, then we start with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father. So that tells you who he is. Which art in heaven, that tells you where he is. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive them that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So some, most of us on, on the liberal side and the one nation side say those words but I don't hear anything from the Labour side of the Greens. So, But that, that, is, that tells you a lot about what God is.
0: Yeah. And it is, um, it is fantastic that it's there. And I've heard some Christians argue for the near irrelevance of it, if not believed and, and enacted. Um, and I wouldn't want to spend too much time on that, but I disagree. I think it's as good as having... The preamble acknowledgement there it actually sets a a guide and a standard uh, and something for us to aspire to. Um, I want to I want to deal with some of these things before uh, sorry in a minute. Um, but something you said I, th- I thought was very interesting and I don't want to take it as a given even though I'm, I'm glad I don't have to persuade you. Um, and that was you said God is real, um, and I agree. But what gives you that certainty, if I can ask?
1: I once read a book, and I can't remember where, where I read this, um, but the author started out, if, if you don't believe there's a God, just look at a blade of grass. And, you know, when we cut off a, a, a flower or we cut off a leaf from a tree or a bush, it dies. So there's that life force, but there's something else beyond that life force, a spirit that runs through everything. We can see it when we're in touch with our real self. Um, and and it exists. So that's what it makes me. Can I describe it to you? Not really. Um, when we're in love, there's no value judgment, and that, that's that's the way we're meant to be. That's our real self. Yeah. And I think it comes back to something. Um, we Maria Montessori and quite a few people throughout history have said the critical. Well, Maria Montessori said, and I think she's the the most. Um, Powerful, almost objective observer of human life and human development. She said, "The critical years for the formation of both character and intellect are birth to six. Mm. Stunning. And yet, at that time, she also said later on in her studies and it's recognised that the the logical reasoning faculties don't come in until we don't start coming in until we're about six to nine mm. to twelve. So that means we form ourselves and our view of the world before we have that logical reasoning and before we know much about the world. Yep. So God created Malcolm, he created Dave, but at the same time, I fabricated Malcolm and you fabricated Dave. And our view of the world was Do you was mean by our
0: experiences and choices?
1: By our uninformed and fairly ignorant choices and perceptions from birth to six, um, something people might have done to us completely harmlessly, we might read something into that about us. I'm not worthy, I'm not, um, hmm. I'm not capable, I don't deserve this, so, things like that. And so we're limited by the creation we make of Malcolm, the creation you made of Dave, and then it seems to be life's journey is about recognising that I created Malcolm and I was probably wrong in many, many, many of the foundation beliefs that I have about the world and about me. Sure. So that's that's creating the ego, Malcolm. If you like the identity.
0: So what I get from your answer is that that you essentially believe there is something um, that I can feel it. Whether a creative force, a uniting spirit, uh, something supernatural and metaphysical. Um, but when I when I hear you say God is real, um, what I want you to mean is the God who has revealed himself in the Bible from Old and New Testament as he has revealed himself is that thing, but I'm not sure I got that from, no. from your answer.
1: No, so you keep explaining what you meant.
0: Uh, well, there is that belief out, out there and where nature itself is some kind of divinity, that uh, there's the, the universe and, and creation and, and people and essentially it 's a, a constant energy that just changes form and, and shape um, and has some kind of, of uh, will or, or design, uh, but not necessarily a personhood um, to it um, which is what we, what we read in in the lord 's prayer and, and and that
1: to me that 's point of a better word mother nature or nature, not God so um, Created by God.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, that's essentially what... And, and I think it's important to understand that God, by definition, uh, has to be this person. He, he has to have a mind. Uh, he has to have uh, relationability. Um, and he has to be eternal... And, and outside the realm of... He has to be spiritual, outside the limitations mm-hmm. of, of the known universe. Um, he is the uncaused cause. Uh, he is the only thing that, by definition, needs no other originator or, or stimulus to come into being because he is eternal. Uh, and anything that a scientist would try and prove has to be tangible and, and testable and repeatable and empirical, which eliminates everything metaphysical.
1: R- right. So I'm an engineer by training. I'm, I think I'm logical. Um, sometimes my wife tells me I'm not. but That's definitely So And, and I have to have, <laughs> have to have evidence for something. And, and I don't say something unless I've got evidence. But the evidence I have that there's a God is not the same as the evidence that that's a chair or you're a man or that... It's different evidence. I can't explain that. That's, that's why I wanted to engage in this conversation yeah. to learn more.
0: So I think God is the best explanation of the evidence. And so when you come into a, a law trial or, or even science, and I'm neither lawyer nor scientist, but, but my lay understanding of it all is you examine all of the best evidence and you do your best to be dispassionate about what the evidence is suggesting.
1: Or a scientist. Or a scientist, or,
0: or exactly. And so I think when you see intricate design, the most logical inference is there's a designer. Uh, good point. So when you see a building, um, that is evidence there was a builder, even though you can't see the builder. Um, and the builder may not even be discoverable right now. He might be dust and ashes 50 years ago. But the fact that there's a building there is evidence that there's a builder. And so I think the, the intricacy and the complexity um, of, of life and, and details... I think Charles Darwin himself said if the, hum- if the cell, if the living cell, was any more complicated than marble, um, then evolution couldn't stand up. Uh, the the complexity that's needed for uh, the origin of species and the beginning of of life itself um, is inexplicable without a designer. And and maybe there's other explanations, but I think they take so much more faith uh, than it does to believe in an uncaused cause, an eternal... Uh, God who meets the standard classical definition of God, eternal, all-knowing, all-powerful, intelligent, creative. Uh, relational, creative. Um, or creator. Creator and creative. When I mean The fact that we are created, the fact that we as people are creative, when God, describing himself, says, I'm going to make man in our image, let us make man in our image. Um, first of all, there's plurality in the words chosen there, which implies the relationality that God's mm-hmm. not alone, that he's, he's actually uh, triune, um, which I, we won't get down that track just yet. Uh, but the the point is it wasn't said about anything else in creation, not, neither plant nor mineral nor animal, mm-hmm. um, that humanity alone was made in the image of God. Uh, and whereas God merely spoke everything else into being, it was mankind that he broke his, his modus operandi and actually got involved and moulded man out of the dust of the earth. But, but that image of God that we bear, among other things, includes uh, creativity. Now, you know, a, a bellbird um, has got a very creative nest, but it's nothing like the Sistine Chapel. No animal has ever come close to the creativity and ingenuity uh, of, of humanity. Not, not not a not as skerrick of closeness to what we're capable of. Uh, the engineering, the science, the structure, the art, uh, you know, centuries ago, a thousand years ago, the soaring heights of art that, that we achieve basically give evidence to the image we bear, uh, and that we were made in the image of somebody who is himself
1: creative. And that, and that gives us enormous hope. As, as a species, I think, because I, one of the things that, that I, uh, I talk about quite a bit is the anti-human movement. Uh, and that's, that's the wrong... Okay, none of us is perfect as such, but, and we're not all monsters like a Hitler, for example. But none of us would be in this room tonight if someone hadn't cared for us. Mm. Because, I mean, big George there, uh, he's much taller than I am, but when we both popped out of our mum's womb, we were about this big. And George has taken off since, <laughs> but but um, but we were that big, and none of us, you know, a, a foal a foal is born and it pops out of its, uh, out of the mare, and, and it gets up and shakily and, and starts shakily cantering within about half an hour, mm. and 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 uh, a human though doesn't start walking what till twelve months, not not really walking properly until three or four, um, doesn't start thinking properly, can't care for itself until, well, some people until they're 70. But, <laughs> but, um, but you, you see what I'm getting at. The, 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 you wouldn't be here today, I wouldn't be here today, George wouldn't be here, no one would be here if someone hadn't cared for us. The, one of the overarching traits of humans is that we care. And it, it just annoys me, it infuriates me that, that we are told you're greedy, rap- rapacious, uncaring, irresponsible, you're, you're not kind. Humans are wonderful. And we're created in the image of God. Yeah. So that gives me enormous hope because I think life is a, is a journey. From well, Tom Peters, the famous uh, business and management consultant, he said that the height of human civilization is the four-year-old. <laughs> and then we introduce him to ch- to um, to school.
0: Yeah. Okay. Guns now he do. would
1: be shocked if he knew what was going on in schools today. Yeah, but the point is, we we I fabricated myself my ego. Uh, as little Malcolm here, um, by the time I was six, in, a, in, a, in enormous ignorance and with limited logical capabilities. And then it seems that life that I live from six till I die is, is about learning that I fabricated myself and being free of those shackles. And that's going back to love, because I agree with whoever said God is love. That, that's my understanding. But I think there's more to it than that.
0: Oh, there's so much more. God has revealed himself progressively through ancient history, uh, incrementally, because there's so many aspects to him and to who he is. But uh, I want to come back now to the Lord's Prayer, which you pray in the Senate. Um, And and you said, our Father, the first words tell us who he is. Uh, And one thing to understand from that is that when Jesus taught this prayer, he used the word Abba, which is equivalent in English better from father, it's actually better understood as daddy. It's intimate and relational, not just, not just positional, which it is, it's an authority figure, uh, but it's, it's actually that we have a closeness of relationship with him. His intention is for us to have a closeness of relationship with him, as you would with the best father on earth. Uh, not somebody you're afraid of, but somebody you know there's an open-door invitation to ask me anything, anytime because my love for you is immeasurable and unconditional and unfathomable. That, which...
1: that, that, that's beautiful. That is really Isn't beautiful. it? Because, and that's what I was trying to say when I said it gives us hope. It does, because, it does. Because we are like God. But mm-hmm. that, that, thank you very much for that. Now you see why I put it to him, because this, this guy knows his stuff. The, Keep going.
0: S- the second one you said is which art in heaven which tells us where he is now one of the worst things you could ever do would be listen to that song from a distance god is watching us when when that word was used and used the the better translation would be our father who art in the atmospheres plural meaning literally the air we breathe not distant far away and well above the stratosphere there as well but also literally in every breath we inhale his presence is right with us not distance and dislocated not distant and dislocated but located here amongst us and and present and and so you know as jesus is teaching his disciples to pray the first thing he's saying is God is a Father who is very dear to you and available to you, but he's also very near to you. Always. And available to you. Always. Very available available relationally, but even available to you geographically. He, he's, no matter how far someone runs from God, obviously we're talking spiritually. I mean, Jonah tried to run from God geographically and it didn't work out at all at well for him. But the minute he turned around and the minute we turn around and start uh, facing God with our hearts, our souls, our mind, our intellect, he's right there, ready to respond and available, which is why it's fantastic we pray this in in any part of life, but especially the public part of life in the Senate. Our Father, which are in... In the very breath we take, it should be not that God is just watching and supervising, but God is with us to enable and and help
1: us. Um, So so if I can just jump in there, doesn't doesn't that mean that we're always in heaven, potentially?
0: Um, Not in the sense that we mean it when we say it in English, uh, the distant, faraway place, Um, because the way it's intended is in the atmosphere. So we're in the atmosphere we're in. In the air that we're moving in, but we're not.
1: So, is, isn't heaven all around us? So, so we were taught somewhere as, as, as kids, not by my parents, but um, hell is where you go to to live forever in, in eternal flames, and heaven is up on somewhere, up in the clouds, wherever it is, separate places. But heaven is, is with us right now. We can be in heaven right now. We don't have to die. Don't um, have to physically die. Is that right?
0: Look, it. it it wouldn't be good to um, minimize the end times teaching of the future hope of the, the new heaven and earth. So, uh, my best, and look, we, we, could get, we could get into denominational differences here um, rather easy, so it's probably not good to go down this rabbit trail. Um, but suffice it to say, uh, God has promised a new heaven and a new earth for us. That is a future hope. That is a definite promise. And there are eight times more prophecies regarding that than the first coming of Jesus. And so it's something that God is very, very interested in. And the prophecies regarding the first coming of Jesus were all fulfilled literally. So it would be silly to dismiss the weight of the prophecies regarding the new heaven and earth. Uh, but it, it is also important to understand that God's natural dwelling place was never earth. And so if if where God is home right now uh, was needed to be understood, it certainly couldn't be thought of to be earth.
1: Added to that... I didn't mean it in that sense, but keep going. Well,
0: it's just important to make that distinction in case somebody misunderstands. But to add evidence to that uh, was the fact that Jesus left somewhere and made his home on earth amongst us. And that was significant because this wasn't his home. He actually had to humble himself and leave glory to be clothed in flesh here. Um, But at the same time, Jesus refers probably interchangeably with the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. And so the kingdom of heaven, where God's will is done and where he wants maximum human flourishing, justice, peace, joy, liberty, uh, healing, that is what's designed to be here. That was God's original plan for heaven to be on earth. And, and in every sense, we are, we are meant to be his change agents, which is why Christianity and the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is relevant to public policy. Mm-hmm. It's not because we're trying to impose devotion, but we're, because we're trying to bring heaven to earth. Uh, and, and that could be as equally to the blessing of the person who doesn't believe as to the person who does believe. When, when Christians are, are doing schools, hospitals and soup kitchens, we're not checking for the Christian card. Right. It, it's available to everybody regardless of their status of devotion. Um, it's, it's actually that expression of love that God wants heaven to be on earth. And yet the prophecies also say no matter how hard we try, it's only Jesus who will be able to make that complete uh, and so we're not trying to force some kind of theocracy for all the the extremists who are determined to misinterpret what's being said tonight.
1: So, without being trite, um, I'm trying to inch towards a, a better understanding in my own, in my own mind. Um, could we say heaven is a state of mind, or uh, a, st- a certain state of mind is on the road to heaven? As long as you're not
0: minimising all of the things that heaven literally is, keep going. So, I mean, if you would, I mean, I guess you could say heaven is a state of mind. It's a, it, it could but it, it no. Could I'm be, saying it's
1: a state of mind, but, but that that's a partial description of heaven. Uh, it, it's nothing. I'm not sitting in heaven. I'm not sitting in a chair. I'm not sitting on mm-hmm. earth, and heaven is not the earth. But a uh, state of mind, my, the way I behave, um, whether I'm happy or not. And I don't mean material happiness, I mean something far more than that. Um, a, st- a state of love, if you like. So if, if I. As, as, an, as a. If,
0: if I can take, pick up the thread you're, you're weaving here, um, heaven perhaps could be more than a state of mind, but also a state of mind. It could be a state of I'm being. I'm saying it's much
1: more than a state of mind. It could
0: be a state of being. Like, it, yes. we are trying to bring heaven to earth. So um, it's not about denying reality. It's about conforming reality. Um, well, by, uh, I mean, it's like, is justice a state of mind? Well, yes, it's a state of mind, but it's still something we need to achieve and work towards and contribute to.
1: So if, if, I'm, if I'm making value judgments about people... Uh, I'm doing the work of my ego, separating them from me. Unless you're
0: ego. agreeing with God. When right. it's not a work of ego, but a work of humility. Right. And, and this is where people objected to Israel Falal. It's like, hang on, no, that wasn't ego. That wasn't self righteousness. Self righteousness was disagreeing with God. Humility was saying what God says. Right. And he literally quoted what God says. So to put a judgment value on people if you're agreeing with God, well, again, the presumption would be that he wasn't making a universal judgment value. He listed a whole range of sinners. None of the drunkards got offended. But it was a bunch of people who were themselves disagreeing with God which objected to the, the judgment value. And, and, and we've got this... Human morality, which is perverted in itself that says you can't judge people, but what if God does
1: I, I think there's a difference between judging someone and making value judgments about them and and, and... well again the the confusion is when you're
0: judging somebody's behaviors versus somebody's uh, value and and I don't think. I know of any Christian, including Israel Falau, who has made value judgments about people. But we're certainly instructed, not just permitted, but instructed to make value judgments about behaviours and ideas. Well, that, that's what I'm <coughs> getting
1: at. Um, we make judgments, <coughs> discernments, if you like, they're evaluations of, of someone's behaviour. Does it comply with the law, for example? There's a judgment it does comply with the law, it doesn't comply with the law. You're doing 110 in 100 zone. That, that, that's a, there's a judgment there. So you're breaking <coughs> the law. But I don't call you a bad person because you <coughs> arrived around 110. Excuse Calling me? you a bad person would be a valued judgment.
0: So was it right or wrong before when you referred to Hitler as a monster?
1: His behaviours were monstrous, but something in Hitler is in the image of God.
0: Is that a yes or a no? <laughs>
1: what was the question again?
0: Was, was it right or wrong before when you called, you called monster Hitler
1: a monster. I should have said <clears throat> his behaviours were monstrous because Hitler was a creation of God. Technically, you're right, but
0: the, the fuller, humbler answer is that we are all in the same boat as Hitler until we are redeemed by Jesus. We are all separated from heaven, from relationship with God, By our own imperfection, there is not a degree of imperfection which makes you righteous. There is only perfection which makes you righteous, and nobody is perfect. Therefore, all of us are in the same boat and needing the loaned or attributed righteousness of Jesus, which is why God is intolerant, because there is only one attributable righteousness, so it's not okay for you to adopt the fantastic teachings of various world religions if they don't point you to identifying with the freely offered righteousness of Jesus. It's, it's miraculous that there's one way to heaven uh, because we have no right to demand it or expect it, and yet God took that initiative and offered us his righteousness when all of us have the, the moral value to God of Hitler, aside from our relationship with Jesus. So aside, uh, John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should uh, have everlasting life, should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.17 says, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him would be saved. Mm-hmm. So Jesus didn't come to condemn us. But John three eighteen says, those who didn't believe in Jesus were already condemned. That's our natural condition, because we didn't believe in the name of God's only begotten son. Our natural condition, our natural state, is exactly the same as Hitler. We are all monsters deserving of the ultimate final penalty. And that's not to put us down, that's to equalise us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is, I, I've
1: got, I'm very comfortable with what you're it saying. Is, it is the
0: great equaliser. The, the fantastic thing is the guy drowning out at sea, uh, when, the, when the lifeguard sees him put his hand up and ask for salvation... He's not making value judgments on the guy. He's just saving him. Mm -hmm. And so whatever condition we have, we are all lost and drowning in our sin without the lifesaver, the saviour, Jesus Christ.
1: So do we have to die to go to heaven?
0: Um, uh, This this is a complicated question, and the short (laughs) answer um, is yes. Um, The Bible says it is appointed um, unto every man once to die, and then there's judgment. Uh, the judgment is where we basically stand before God and he says, are you in Christ with that righteousness which will gain entry? Um, and if the answer is no, my name is not written in the Lamb of God's book of life, then you're not permitted entry and your natural condition, your default condition of condemnation stands.
1: Which is tragic. So so then because of the engineer in me, um, how do you know? How do you know... How do do you know that what you said is correct?
0: Well, again, I just have to agree with what God said. So if God is omnipotent, omniscient and eternal, then he is more than able to communicate his truth to his creation. He's made us capable of receiving his truth... Mm -hmm. And he, by nature, is capable of being understood and making himself understood. He's capable of protecting and preserving the integrity of the message that he's uh, communicated right from the beginning. Uh, and so it is sufficient for him to say, this is how you get to heaven, this is how you have eternal life. And it, it's not an isolated teaching. It's confirmed, layer upon a layer, multiple um, <coughs> confirmation um, Scripture confirming Scripture, multiple books, languages, prophets, contexts, etc. That the only way to eternal life—it's foreshadowed in beautiful. T- it's like the Old Testament is a jigsaw puzzle, a million-piece jigsaw puzzle with one missing piece. And the whole point of the jigsaw puzzle was so that when you get to the New Testament and the person of Jesus Christ, it's like that is the exact, complicated, precise fit. That we were looking for that completes the picture, right. but the whole purpose of the rest of the jigsaw puzzle was to tell you that this was the important piece. Focus
1: on the missing piece.
0: Yeah, and so it's it's everything in the Old Testament was the perfect fit um, to to say even Israel itself. And again, not to get sidetracked in the, in the short time we have, uh, it all points to Jesus, and and all of the Paul said. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, everything we preach and stand for is utterly futile, waste of time and meaningless. It's actually all... And they didn't even have the Bible. It wasn't wasn't the the Bible uh, that made them Christians. It was identifying as followers with the risen Jesus Christ that identified the people of God. And those... I mean, John the Baptist said it, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. All of the prophets and scriptures confirm that this central figure in all of human history is the way to heaven, uh, to eternal life, um, and and best put, to restore what God had always planned for us before sin corrupted and diverted us.
1: Right, so I I agree that reading the Bible doesn't make one a Christian. Correct. Um...
0: Going to church doesn't make you a Christian
1: following the teachings of Christ and trying to understand them and live by them, that makes one a Christian? Um, no. So what is a Christian? Well, Isn't I a mean, you, could, you could follow
0: all of the teachings of Christ except for the one that says, believe in him, identify him, confess him as your Lord and Saviour. Um, but you know, all of Israel tried to follow the teachings of God and failed to have eternal life. That was actually the point. It wasn't sufficient. Righteousness in your behaviour and actions wasn't sufficient. It wasn't something you could earn. It was actually always and only a a condition of your heart, a confession of faith, a decision to submit to his lordship. Now, an example of that would be marriage. Um, You are married the minute you enter into that essentially oral and soul covenant with your wife. You don't need the wedding night and you don't need uh, 10 years of proving it to be completely and entirely married. When you say, I do, till death do us part, you are married. Now, after marriage comes all the work, all the working out, all the working together. That's where all the works of righteousness follow and are essential and indispensable. Sorry, I've got a crackle in my throat. Your turn to talk. (laughs) (coughs) Okay. Yeah, I just need water.
1: So so isn't isn't marriage then part of, or not being married, part of that journey to, to our ultimate physical death?
0: Do you mean to God or the... The, the tradition, the institution of
1: marriage. No, no. Marriage is a, is a good way to have some lessons in life. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Raising, absolutely. Children, raising children is a wonderful way to yeah, learn yeah. about myself, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I can remember my wife will be horrified if she, if she knows that I'm just about to say what I said, what I, I, but that I say what I'm about to say. But, you know... Um, I was a mine manager at a very young age, in an industrially tumultuous time, and it was always us versus them. Very strongly, industrial relations was was atrocious in this country, and it still is. Mm. Um, But I was amazed at my first position as a mine manager.
0: I'm just going to have a lolly to try and coat my throat with something.
1: One day, uh, I remember, I was only about 27, 28, and, and I can remember talking with the union delegate, and I thought, there's something wrong with me. I don't get upset with, the, with these uh, people, you know. when uh, they come and thump the table and all the rest of it. There must be something wrong with me. And then I say, no, I'm just over the anger bit. Then our first son came along and is there anything more beautiful than the first child or the second child or the third child? Sometimes I want to strangle him. And I thought, mm, you thought you're in charge of anger, Malcolm, you got nothing. <laughs> you know, Because that taught me something. And then, mm. then raising children or helping them to grow, that teaches us a lot that's part of the journey.
0: so the or, metaphor or is not,
1: not part of the journey for some people who don't have children
0: it's no accident that marriage is a fantastic metaphor for the relationship we have with Jesus Christ, uh, and that's why it's sacred that's why it was wrong for the government to mess about with the definition mm-hmm. is because it's meant to reflect the invitation to relationship God offers us um, and the things we learn about ourselves as we try to live out a perfect love for our bride, in in our cases, um, when we fail and fall short of the standards of marriage, of love, that doesn't mean we're not married. And and so... Exactly. And so just the same in, in Christianity... Uh, being really good at all the behaviours but not having the covenant between yep. us um, doesn't make you married now by the same token being uh, imperfect at all the behaviours but having the covenant, the covenant is the defining key of that relationship and that covenant is more than a contract as government likes to reduce it to um, uh, the most disposable of covenants in, in any legal setting um, sadly but I digress, the the covenant of marriage is eternal and it's meant to be till death do us part. Um, And so that's why following the teachings of Jesus isn't enough any more than me going to the house next door, having that lady's meals and living under that roof wouldn't make me married to her. Following the teachings of Jesus doesn't make me married to Jesus the invitation is that full and irrevocable heart covenant to our creator and and to Jesus and saying it's you and me forever and you're the leader
1: right and, and I have a responsibility to my wife regardless of what happens regardless
0: absolutely There's, and, and that's that's Jesus' covenant to us, he's saying, he's saying to us, you don't need to walk on eggshells around me. I love you. And you are mine forever.
1: Well said. Mm. Now you see why I volunteered. <laughs> Still comes back to, can, is heaven on earth? I'm not saying earth, planet earth. I'm saying Can we be in heaven on earth? You've you've already said we must die physically to to enter heaven. If you're talking
0: the eternal life um, location, no, heaven's not on earth. Um, People who have died right now aren't on earth. The Bible teaches to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But um, Jesus also said, Behold, I'm leaving you. I'm going to another place to prepare for you like a bridegroom would for a bride. Um, And he said he will return. So that's all. People who die now are not here on earth. Uh, But at the same time, my understanding of end times is that essentially God is going to bring heaven to earth and completely um, undo all of the evil, destroy all of the evil, break the curse of sin and death forever, uh, and, and essentially put it back to the way it should have been all
1: along before we humans so then messed it up. So then that leads to the question, what's the purpose of that? What was the purpose of the experiment we're in? That reads like an experiment. Um,
0: well, the, the, purpose, the, the purpose was that was always the plan and we messed it up. It wasn't an experiment right. any, any more than... Um, you having kids was an experience. So, so when
1: I created um, Little Malcolm at the age of six, uh, and every now and then, and, and we say that, that our formative years are with us for life, uh, and it's our overcoming, overcoming, is that the right word? Our realisation, our... Maturing? Maturing, that might be a good word, uh, or a useful word. Um, that journey, that journey takes us toward heaven. Or is it just that Little Malcolm... I, who I'm I not created? Sure. I,
0: I'm I'm hesitant because I'm not exactly sure how you're defining heaven. Um, if no. I wanted to define heaven, being here on earth right now, it's relationship with Jesus in my heart. Yeah. Yeah. And if I have, if I have the kingdom of God in my heart, if I am a slave to Christ, which is the ultimate freedom, then then that is the closest I can have to heaven here on earth. And and, and I could go into long details and stories about that, but there's probably better stories that aren't mine.
1: Oh, no, that's very useful, very useful.
0: Um, George, you were sharing with me that, that's, that's, that uh, saint, the patron saint of comedians. Um, you know, this... It's dead set <laughs> funny. What Who? What was his name?
1: Lawrence. I thought he said Morrison.
0: Saint Lawrence?
1: <laughs> uh, no, I honestly did. I thought, I thought jo- George hasn't lost his sense of humour.
0: <laughs> so... It, And I just want to use this guy because it's the most recent one in in mind. Um, But so many people have been in literal hell on earth. But because of heaven in their hearts, because of Jesus in their hearts, um, they were undeterred and unslowed by the hell around them. So Mm -hmm. this particular guy uh, was being uh, martyred for his faith and his Christian belief and he was roasted alive, like in a grill, over hot coals and fire. And and in the excruciating moments of his final death, he said, turn me over, this side's done.
1: (laughs) Turn the other cheek.
0: He, he, he was just making, it was, uh, was that fairly close to what he said, George? It's fairly close, like, this side's been done well enough, it's time to r- 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 do the and other would, side. And wouldn't those
1: roasting you be so annoyed and, with that?
0: And, and the point isn't he was trying to crack a joke. The point was mm. that um, he had grace and divine ability from God to rise above the circumstances, that even though he was ultimately to lose his life in the cruelest way possible, nobody could take from him what he had in his heart. Mm -hmm. And that was the the peace and certainty of his eternal destiny. Um, And the minute he died, the worst they could do to him was kill his body because the minute he died, he was in the presence of his Lord and Saviour.
1: So that's a step beyond... uh, It's almost... um... Uh, tried to say it, but that's a step beyond a big, very big step beyond Victor Victor Frankel's search for meaning, where he says that the Nazis can take away everything except my attitude. Yeah. But this is one step even more.
0: Yeah. 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 yeah definitely. Um, and right. I've got similar testimonies to no level of uh, martyrdom, but of of just the grace of God in my life, making uh, terrible circumstances around me. Um, Bearable and survivable, and uh, less traumatic. Mm-hmm. Um, that there's just a peace that passes understanding um, in that moment. And yeah, um, Saint Lawrence's testimony and story was much better than mine. The question is, is and I'll keep it brief. Have you actually received Jesus as Lord and Saviour? The pointy one.
1: Yeah, I, I would say. No to that. Uh, I think that'd be fairly obvious. Um, but I've been searching, and I know that Jesus has something. This is going to sound trite. Special. It's That's beyond, not trite. It's beyond special. No, no. But I, 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 I didn't mean trite. I mean limiting. The word special is not adequate. There's something beyond that. Uh, when I came back from America, when I went to a new town, I would. Um, go to the Catholic Church for four weeks, go to the Presbyterian for four weeks and see who is the best sermon, okay? And, and that, meant, that meant a lot to me. Mm. Um, That's how we do it too. <laughs> Still doing it. <laughs> um, so so I, I like the Christian values. I, I try to abide, abide by them. I have read the Bible several times, but mainly all when, when I was young, so I don't probably understand it as well as I need to, which is obvious. I can't quote chapters on verses from it Um, but I don't know uh, Jesus enough uh, and I'd like to learn more about that so yeah so the Bible says it's very simple the Bible says in the book of Romans that if you call upon the name of
0: the Lord you shall be saved so my question is at what point are you going to receive Messiah (laughs) Messiah
1: What's the answer to that? I, when I'm ready? When I'm ready, it, it's, it's. Today,
0: if you hear his voice, harden not your heart, for today is the day of salvation. Yeah. Today, if you hear his voice, today. It, those who, people who watch these, uh, this YouTube channel will know exactly who I'm talking about. Actually, in fact, I've just remembered his name Ray Comfort. Yes. Um, he, he puts it this way um, If you're being offered a parachute, And you're being, you know, the plane's about to crash or you're about to jump and and you have no choice. Um, There comes a point where you have to stop thinking about whether or not you accept the parachute. And the person pleading with you to put on the parachute is not trying to impose their faith upon you because faith in a parachute is a very rational thing to do and it's not an ego thing to ask somebody you care about, to put on the parachute, put your trust in the parachute, put on this faith, and it will save your life. Um, And really, that's an invitation for everybody watching, uh, that Jesus and faith in him is a parachute that should not be delayed for contemplation's sake. Um, It's urgent, because none of us knows. Um, We're going to dinner now one kilometre away, and... And people watching your you know—what actions will you be taking in the next two hours that could go wrong? Very so few people can predict the hour and day of their death. Um, of that moment where we uh, are absent from the body and present with the Lord, and 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 He's looking for our name in His Book of Life, um, and and so. Uh, yeah, certainly Robert's invitation to you and, and my invitation to everybody watching is you will understand more once the eyes of your spirit have been opened. Yes. Yes. You will never have enough understanding to have 100% certainty. There will always be a small final step of, of faith um, that's, that's required.
1: Is it, is it faith or is it knowing? That, it's an faith, ult- ultimate, uh, sc- ultimate knowing, though. Sc- sc- I
0: mean, if you've got a, se- if you mean a sense of knowing as opposed to a completely intellectual knowledge. No, no, I yeah. mean a yeah. sense of knowing.
1: Yeah, a capital L- K, if you like.
0: It's probably not fair to be too specific about that. It might be more certain for some than others, um, but what I do know is it doesn't take much faith. It, it takes the smallest crumb of faith. It's more than enough. To, to put on that parachute and enjoy the ride down um, yeah. to, to, you know, firm ground. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's a good place to finish up. We do have to finish right there. Would you join me in thanking Senator Malcolm Roberts <laughs> Thank you,
1: sir. Yep,
0: Heavenly Father, Abba, in the atmosphere right close to us, in the air that we're literally breathing. Uh, We thank you that you are almighty, that our nation acknowledges you, and we ask that in our hearts as well as our nation, we would be humble enough to rely on you and to agree with you. And uh, we pray this for everybody here, everybody watching, and for every one of our elected representatives at every level of government in this nation. And I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Amen. Well, thank you for watching. We, uh, that's it for this week's episode of the Church and State Show. Next time we're doing a live audience event, I hope you can come along um, and especially grab a ticket for dinner with our special guest. Uh, we have got uh, some plans on what is coming up soon. Uh, but they're not yet confirmed, so I can't announce them. If you would like to come to a church and state conference, uh, we are in Adelaide, and expecting hundreds of people uh, at the location there on the 6th and 7th of October. Um, so thank you very much for watching. God bless you and Australia, and we'll see you in the next episode of the Church and State Show. I need to go
1: outside.